listening to the Franchise Podcast Network, presented by Lucky Star Casino. KRXO FM and KRXO HD Oklahoma City, a product of Tyler Media, reaching over 1 million Oklahomans every week. Now, the Outdoor Hour, giving you the inside scoop on the great outdoors on 1077 The Franchise. As long as I can remember, I've been drawn to the outdoors. There's something primal in each of us that awakens when we step outside the bounds of modern society and back into the vast possibilities of the natural world. The more civilized our lives become, the louder our hearts cry for reconnection with our native ways. Failure is imminent, dangers drawing nigh, but approached with reverence and tact, the outdoors return wisdom and gain. In both the outdoors and in life, harvests are fleeting, but lessons and memories abound. With that in mind, we step forth boldly together in pursuit of ourselves outdoors. We are nothing more than tree stand troubadours. Welcome inside the outdoor hour. Coming in hot again this week, man. Yeah, yeah. I I have a few brain cells left from sleep deprivation uh, from Expo, so we'll, we'll see how today goes. You know what's crazy? There's a whole spectrum of like introverts, extroverts, outgoing introverts, all of this. I feel like you and I are often on such different sides of the spectrum. You come in after a weekend like you just had, just so fired up about the space, your job. Yeah. I'd be dragging in here today. Oh, don't get I mean, th- there was a day of of not doing much, of binging old episodes of Entourage. <laughs> okay? Like <laughs> Yeah? Yeah, for real. Yeah. I'm silently judging. You're turtle? I'm turtle. (laughs) Nice. So how this came about was like at Expo, actually, a really well-known biologist who I'm a dear, uh, a a big fan of, starts talking to me about character development of Entourage. And I was like, man, I haven't watched that show in forever. And he's like, you should go back and watch it. And so like, you know, as I'm looking at, okay, what am I going to do? I'm definitely going to take at least a half day. To chill and, re- and and just recharge and rest. And I'm like, man, what am I going to do that day? And I was like, oh, entourage. It is such a great time capsule of the early 2000s. Yeah. Like it is, it you forget about it because it's I been did. so long. Yeah. And you're like, oh my goodness. Great yeah. show. I love that show. And I, and I forgot, it, you know, the Kirby enthusiasm kind of pull of like, throwing in famous people left and right like i forgot how how many cameos are in that show and yeah so but anyways all right there we are there we are tell us about the weekend man man it was uh literally one for the record books for the mule deer foundation and for the western hunt and conservation expo you know, we had record attendance. We had record uh, auction revenue. We had all of our banquets were sold out. Our kickoff party was sold out. We had an awesome bluegrass band called the Fretliners from Colorado yep. come down and, and uh, just absolutely hit it out of the ballpark. And, uh, yeah, if you were following along uh, on uh, MDF's page, you saw some great content. Um, I had a team of just absolute freak all-stars that yeah. were dominating. So, and I know you've been stepping up that game a lot, but when you came in today for the first time, I said, man, the content you guys pushed out was absolute fire. 
Yeah, it was a year's worth of positioning like coming to fruition. You know, that's that's how I explained it to our CEO and to some of our board was like, this is what we've been trying to do. And we just had to get all the right pieces in place so that we could operate at this level. You know, we recorded video recorded 22 podcasts. We had, you know, daily documentation from the floor. We had daily, uh, in, you know, hey, this is what's going on today. We had daily recaps. We had a film premiere with Meat Eater. We had, you know, through a kickoff party that we filmed the entire thing of and tracked the entire concert, like recorded off the soundboard. It was just, you know, I had four camera guys, four videographers, one photo, and one editor who was pretty much chained to a table, um, just absolutely executing. So, so how do you evaluate the weekend as a whole? Did it all go off the way you wanted it to in terms of that content creation? If this has been such a project of vision, are you happy with the product? It's the start. Yeah, I mean that in. In marketing and comms, like coming up with a good idea and getting it going isn't the hard part, in my opinion. It's the keeping that same caliber of execution running through with everything that you do after that, right? Like, sure. It's easy to raise the bar once, you know? Mm-hmm. It's easy to win one World Series. Sure. Right? Yeah. To create a great piece of content. Yeah. But to have a plan and to continually be pumping out that kind of content listen i'm trying to be the patty gasso over here of <laughs> conservation content okay with championship mindset yeah. that's that's what we're doing over here that's awesome. um so we'll see you know um i have an amazing team that just absolutely think the world of and and been blessed to be running with these guys i mean these are cats who led the vision of oakley and who led the vision of uh, red bull and who have done just, you know, unbelievable things in their professional life. And, you know, one of my guys, uh, Jason Rowe, in 2017, they, for Ford and Raptor, did this complete A- uh, AI of the Baja 1000, where they mounted all these cameras on the inside all these cameras on the outside exposed them differently so that the outside cameras were getting full, like all the stars and everything, but the inside of the truck looks like there's a light on inside and then replaced all the windows with the outside content. And you can scroll, like you can watch it today on YouTube, on your phone and move your phone around and move the, use your finger to move the screen around and you can see all the way around. And like, I mean, these dudes have just done absolutely insane stuff that, Luckily, I'm hanging out with them. <laughs> Who else was there? I'm sure this kind of an event draws people from all across the space. Big names, right? Yeah. I mean, most of the players in the space are there. You know, whether that's Remy Warren, who we did a, a Beers for Deers event with um, at his booth, at the Live Wild booth. Whether that's, you know, all the fir- uh, the... Meat Eater guys, you know, Steven was there, Clay was there, Mark was there, Giannis was there, Cal was there. Um, you have the Hushin crew for guys who are familiar with them. You have the mm-hmm. Born and Raised Outdoors guys. You have, you know, but then you also have, um, you know, influential actors and 
and actresses who are into hunting and fishing who have relationships with these manufacturers and they're there at booths and you know it's just it's nonstop. Um, you know, Fieldcraft Survival, we partnered with them and they did a variety of seminars throughout the week and um haven't had a chance to hear back from them on how those went. But um yeah, just just a, a lot. A lot of stuff. You know, I know we broke attendance from last year. Last year we had sixty five thousand. I'm not sure exactly how big we broke it, but we did break it again this year. So um it's it's unreal, man. The piece of this that we had been uh, leading up to was the debut of this film. Yeah. How did that go? Man, I think the panel went really well. Um, the people, there was a lot, because we did a panel afterwards. Okay. Um, and so there was some good discussion and dialogue there. And people diving in. Kurt Koglinski, shout out to you, bro. You are an all-star. Um, he just absolutely smashed it. Like, like incredible representation of the state of Oklahoma and the wildlife department was super stoked uh, f- that he was able to make it and be there and speak to what's going on in Oklahoma. Um, I'm really excited for the film to go digitally. You know, that's that's really where we're going to have the the big splash. It's going to get released this fall, right? Yeah, as one of Cal's mm-hmm. episodes. Okay. Yep. And, you know, when his when his episodes go, you know, it's not abnormal for his to hit like a quarter of a million in views. So, Hopefully. yeah, same. I mean, yeah, that's what happens every time I talk. Um, that's so, incredible, man. Yeah. So hopefully that'll be uh, go off like gangbusters. But um, really excited about the new Connected by Conservation podcast. You know, we were able to record 22 episodes. So got plenty in the can here to start rolling out. Um, do you have a plan for that already? Yeah, just once a month. Okay. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll sprinkle some in here occasionally twice a month. Now that I, I just got the number back this morning of how many we did. I thought we had done like 15, but they're saying 2022. So if that's the case, then we can increase the, the release rate, uh, because you know, most of that content won't be valuable too far down the road so Mm -hmm. um we'll have to kind of increase the release schedule there but um man i think it's going to be super good we had wonderful opportunities to to have some really intriguing conversations with ceos um we did a an episode with uh, josh smith the ceo of montana knife company uh bruce pettit the ceo of loophold butch whiting the ceo of cryptic and really just pushing into like what does it mean to be a leader of an organization in this space leading your organization through the lens of conservation and like what are our obligations as hunters and anglers to be active participants in conservation um and that episode will come out here soon i'm super stoked about that one i thought it went really well and uh, we did a really good podcast with Hal Herring and Ben O'Brien about Connected by Conservation, uh, which obviously is our main focus and initiative for uh, Mule Deer Foundation for the Foreseeable Future. And explaining how we landed there. What does it mean? What does it stand for? Um, how is it going to shape the foundation and how we talk about ourselves and how we engage with the public? And so... Um, but probably the most important podcast we did 
is a program discussing the reality of our tag programs at Expo. Seems to be a lot of misinformation about how that works. You know, people see someone paying $575,000 for a mule deer tag and they're like, oh, well, now it's a game just for the rich or that we're trying to privatize public assets or resources. And um, none of that is is true. Um, That's a tag, first off. Um, And there's three of those specialty tags for Arizona around. And one of them gets um, is a lottery for residents, and then we get one to auction off. And 100% of all of that money goes directly back to Arizona and is, f- and is flagged for mule deer research. and Or not research, sorry, for uh, habitat and conservation efforts. And so, you know, we, we just have a model where we can put the right people in the room to raise money in ways that can't happen anywhere else. And we've set it up so that we're not the beneficiary of that. Um, the state agencies, <coughs> the wildlife departments are, um, and most importantly, the hunter is, because that is money that's going directly back on the ground in that year, usually. Um, it's not used for administrative stuff. So, um, I can understand the concern there, mm-hmm. um, but I think once you learn a little bit more about it, and again, I'm on the outside of this. I, I know more maybe than the average outdoorsman. Because you, you have to hang out with me. 100%. But I obviously don't know the inner workings of it nearly as much as you and your peers. But um, I think it's a really cool concept, man, to pull something of value out like that and monetize it in a way. Um, I don't know what the Arizona budget for mule deer is in general. Uh, but it seems like that's got to be a pretty significant amount of that every year. Yeah. I mean, so in particular, like Utah, which is also in this episode. So if you go to Mule Deer Foundation's YouTube page, you can see the episode. It's called WHCE The Truth. Um, and Utah has more specialty tags than anyone else. They're aware of this. Is that by design? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But so. I'll let him speak for himself. But the reality is, in some of these states, this is what happens if this money goes away, especially tags and the money raised around them through organizations like the Mule Deer Foundation or Elk Foundation or, you know, whoever, right? You name it. They have to make up the, the, the money somewhere. And so if you take all this money away... What happens next is tags, licenses go up tremendously. Yeah. Like they would have to be, we're talking, we're talking, yeah, we're talking like residential tags would be up to $85, $100 for residential licenses Mm -hmm. in some states if they didn't have this type of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in Utah, it's less than 3% of the total tag allocation for all animals are less than 3% are used for specialty tags. But they've yet, because of this, they don't have to increase licenses and tag prices. They uh, have yet to run into a situation where they couldn't fund a big game research program. 
Like you run down the list. It's just, it's created tremendous opportunity. Um, really. And we get it. I mean, though it's less than 3%, it's still a sacrifice of resident and non-resident hunters that they're making, right. By allowing those tags to be there to do that with, but, um, it, it it's a win-win in my opinion across the board, but dive into the episode go listen to it, watch it on YouTube, whatever you want to do. Um, because it is, it's, it's worth hearing from the people who are doing the programs, what's really going on there. And then you can make your own determination. We got to squeeze a break in here, but before we go, did I see something about a mule? Did you guys, Oh yeah. You like brought a mule into the banquet yeah. or something yeah we'll have to talk about that on the, or on other, the other side? side of the break okay we'll do it on the other side yeah uh you're listening to the outdoor hour on 1077 the franchise you're listening to the outdoor hour with your host taylor maples at josh stratton on 1077 the franchise Welcome back inside the outdoor hour. Taylor Maples, Joshua Wildman, Stratton. Hello, I'm a piece of garbage. That feels so good. (laughs) Every time. Feels so good. Welcome back. Thanks, man. And goldfish. That's literally how I feel today, too, by the way. Yeah. Moving sucks. Yeah, man. You've had a busy couple of days yourself. Yes. But just moving. But moving does suck. Well, did you get all in? Um, there's still like a little stuff in my old garage I need to uh, take out, but that's mostly like trash and stuff. But other than that, yep, everything's in. And then our hot water exploded on us. Oh, no. So had to deal with that yesterday as well. So, you know, it's been a uh, comedy of errors, but it's okay. We'll make it. Nothing like moving into a new place and having issues day one. Yeah, yesterday was pretty terrible. Not going to lie. Well, today's a new day. That is true. Glad you're here. Whatever nonsense I said in the break, remember, half full. Half full. <laughs> half full. That, uh, that button there turns your mic on and off. It. Um, I was just having some equipment problems. No. Oh, okay. So before the break, you were teasing us about a mule. Finish that story. Yeah, so TJ Clark, I want to say is his name. Pretty sure that's correct. He... He is an exceptional mule trainer. Um, he does a massive mule auction. I think it's in Wyoming every year. And uh, excuse me while I open this jar of deer jerky. Yeah, you're welcome for and, that, by the way. Um, I hope you weren't trying to take any of this out. No. And uh, anyways, so he's been very, very kind to donating a mule to the Western Hunt and Conservation Expo to the Saturday Night Banquet every year. And this, these mules are insanely steady. I mean, so imagine this. You've got 2,000-plus people in a room. You've got the noise of rowdiness of a live auction, right? You've got an auctioneer on this massive stage, LED lights everywhere, camera guys, you name it. And his mules are just about the steadiest thing uh, ever. I believe it's his daughter. She roller skates behind him getting holding on to their tail as it you know makes its way around the banquet hall and up and down the aisle and 
um, while the auctioneer is, you know, yelling at full gas, uh, trying to get people to raise money for it. Well, uh, uh, Clay Newcomb happened to be in the house that night at, at our table, and he was walking in. I said, Clay, now I just got to warn you. They're going to walk a mule into this building here in a little bit. He was like, no, they're not. I'm like, I'm dead serious. It's coming in. For anybody who doesn't know, Clay Newcomb is one of the biggest mule advocates out there. Yeah, so it was awesome. Uh, he really enjoyed it. He thought, he was like, man, that's that's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And uh, Did he bid on it? No, he didn't. I don't think he needed another mule right now. Uh, but, yeah, it went... Uh, Thirty plus thousand dollars, um, so that was great to see. And man, that was awesome. I want to say a joke right now, so bad, but I know I can't. I'll tell you guys off air later. <laughs> you can tweet it later for our listeners to enjoy. Put it on the Goldfish's X. There you go. My little excerpt. Oh, but yeah, it was. Uh, Clay enjoyed it. It was cool. I went and grabbed the guy, the trainer, and let uh, clay and him chit chat for a little bit but uh it, it was uh honor to have clay in the room and to have mark Kenyon and and the rest of the crew there and i'm glad they had a good time but uh yeah, one of these days i'm getting one of those mules one of my favorite things mark Kenyon has done and cal jumped on this bandwagon a couple of years ago is the rut mustache get the stash get the buck well, I don't understand because they both just have mustaches all the time. Mark didn't used to, though. He was more of like a full goatee, mm. and I think he would shave it down to just the stash ah. for rut. Mm. I threaten that every year, and Sam's not a big fan of it. Doesn't stop most of the things you do. It's <laughs> Fair enough. I guess I'm just trying to pick my battles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you do you, man, but I think you could pull it off. Speaking of uh, picking my battles, I cashed in some brownie points this weekend and took a guy's trip to the White River in Arkansas. You did? I did. Um, was really looking forward to it. Man, it was a great trip. I just love that area. It's the Bull Shoals tailwater portion, oh, yeah. um, you know, because the white bounces there from lake to lake, reservoir to reservoir, and... It's a beautiful area if you've never been out that way. Um, this was the third trip I've made since September. Um, fished out there quite a bit. So what we do when we go out there is we're targeting the big browns, right, and the nocturnal ones. Um, you can speak into this more because of your experience and knowledge, Josh, but this is such a new thing for me. I feel like I'm um, taking the perspective that I've learned to appreciate from bow hunting whitetails and applying it now to fly fishing because you can go out and you can catch 50 60 trout during the day on the white um on the fly um you know there's a lot of rainbows there's some really good browns in there you can have a great day whether you're waiting or you're in a drift boat um depending on what they're doing with the water level there from the uh corps of engineers um, but then at night, you know, I would rather go get skunked fishing at night than catch 50 fish during the day. Like to me, it has become a rifle hunting versus bow hunting kind of perspective. And that's not a knock on the rifle hunting community by any means, but the amount of 
patience and discipline um, that it takes to target big browns on the fly at night out of a drift boat is just a different kind of experience than anything I've ever done with a fly rod. And, man, I am freaking hooked on it. I love it. So we get out there Friday. Last week it was really nice, 60s and 70s uh, temperatures. We knew that there was a chance of a little bit of rain coming through Friday, midday, um, like 30% chance of a tenth of an inch of rain, right? Like minuscule amounts. Um we pull into town. It is drizzling a little bit, but then a cold front pushed through that I think they'd kind of under um, represented to us. Basically, it got down that night to 22 degrees, and it was windy as all get out on this boat. Um, I had a blast. I'm just wired that way, you know, growing up in Colorado, snow caving, skiing. I love the cold. I love the adventure of being cold. Um, but, man, we had, like, every layer we had brought on. Um, here's something I learned. You've probably done this before. This was brand new to me. Latex gloves while fly fishing. Have you done that before? No. Why? So latex gloves will keep your hands dry. And by staying dry, they stay warmer. It sounds crazy. No, that doesn't sound crazy. So I was rolling. So you're with, just rolling around the the hillbilly woods, looking like a mass murderer. Yeah, exactly. Nice latex gloves. But then I had some of those like fingerless. I got these at JD Adams and Company. Some of those fingerless wool. Um, oh yeah, Sims gloves. Um, you know, wool's going to insulate even after it's wet. And this was a really cool thing because you put your hand in the water, um, whether it's on purpose or by accident, and your hands get wet and they're freezing. I could tell there was a sensation that it was cold, but it never got to that just bone-chilling cold that I expected because I had that latex glove on underneath. So there's a pro tip for anybody, cold-weather fishing. Um, get you some, like, latex, you know, first-aid kit kind of gloves and just put them on underneath whatever wool glove you plan to wear. Absolute game-changer. Um, so anyways, we get on the drift boat. Speaking of game changers, were you throwing any game changers? No. Um, there is a whole collection of stuff that the guy that I go out with ties. Um, a lot of drunken disorderlies, which is a cool pattern, I think, out of uh, like Wisconsin, Minnesota area originally. Um I'm trying to think, man. I'll come up with the name. Deedle juice is one that we used a lot of. Um, mice. We were really trying to mice quite a bit. Mousin is really, really fun. Um, yeah, it's where it's at. Yeah. So those were, I think, the three primary things we were throwing. But I'm using my new Orvis 8-weight that I got. Um, that Recon the is... The old Recon. It's a great rod, man. It's, it's the first bit, time I've used it. It's a serious boomstick. So it's an H2 blank, I've learned. Um, it kicks butt, man. It was a lot of fun. It's so much more uh, responsive 
than what I'm used to using. And I've always had a, a cheap setup, and I knew that. But I'm amazed at how much more, even in the dark, how much more aware I am of you know what the tip of the rod is doing and where I'm at. It was just a really cool experience using that rod for the first time. I love that. Yeah, super, super cool. And um, I didn't get to test out the stopping power of that Grande reel that you sold me. Grande. But uh, everybody that saw it, you know, was really impressed. Oh, that's such a great reel. So it's exciting when you get that kind of feedback from people that fish for a living. Yeah, I got um, I got a blue one. Ooh, mine's champagne is the color. Yeah. It's AKA legit. A.K.A. gold. Yeah. A.K.A. bala. It's really, really cool. So that first night out, though, it was freezing. It was windy. We were in the drift boat. Uh, my buddy, Kyle, that I was with, pulled out a 20-inch brown like 20 minutes into the float. Um, really interesting, though. You know, I've only done the nights one other time, and you talk about blow-ups as these browns come up to the surface because they don't have night vision, but they're feeding at night. It's kind of a clumsy eat at times. And so I remember the last time we were there having to tell myself, for starters, the strip set is a new thing for me. I'm used to, you know, stream fishing where you set the hook with the rod tip. Right. Um, So I missed a couple of eats last trip because I wasn't patient enough and I would lift the rod tip. Did you miss any this time? So I was working really hard to make sure I had the strip set down, but the big kind of focus for me this trip was being patient enough to make sure they've eaten it. Yeah. They weren't blowing up. They were really soft eats, and it was almost like they were just kind of rolling with it. So I missed two because Mm. I was over patient. Mm. I wasn't convinced. You know, you're doing it all by feel. You can't see anything out there in the dark. Um, and I felt the rod tip a little bit. I could tell that there was something at my fly, uh, but I was waiting on that blow up. I was waiting on that confirmation and it never came. So by the time I went to strip set and test, they were gone. Mm. Um, you know, and I'm thinking, I don't know if they'd actually eaten or if they were truly rolling it, um, just playing with it testing it who knows but there's a real good chance i missed two of those fish jerks so like i said before we started recording it was such a humbling um an educational trip for me because i thought i had the night game figured out it was like okay here's what it's like throwing that big a fly here's what it's like using an eight weight here's what it's like being on the boat at night um strip set compared to you know lifting all of that kind of stuff and then, oh, by the way, the fish switch it up on you. And now they don't only blow up and do with this big, dramatic eat. Sometimes they're just going to, you know, be really soft and gentle with it down there. And um, so it's like added another layer of complexity to what is already a very challenging ordeal. But, man, I'm just competitive enough that I'm, I want it even more now. I was so yeah. upset. <clears throat> now you got to go win. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Now I know they've got plan B. Seven Natty Patty, dude, as he's trying to be. (laughs) He's trying to be out there on them rivers. So then this was cool. The second night, uh, because we had blown around so much in the cold the first night, um, when we went out the second night, 
we decided to just wade. We knew what the water release pattern was going to be, and we found a spot that was wadeable. Um, we saw some good browns. We just couldn't get them to eat anything. Um, so we kind of started playing around. One of the guys that was with us brought out a big old spay. I think it was a 14 weight. You can confirm if that's realistic. Um, just a man stick, though, for fly fishing. And it was pretty cool to see. Yeah, that's a lot. It was a new experience for that's me. That's a lot. That's a that's a mat. I mean, yeah, probably more than he needs in that environment. Yeah, that's fair to say. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah, by a lot. Yeah, I mean, he could have been running a five or a seven or an eight or you know. Yeah, like, I mean, they're not throwing fourteen for steelhead. I'll say that. Okay, you know. That checks out. I believe yeah. that. Yeah. I think it was just more of a flex than anything. Yeah. Um, but it's cool, man. If he you've never the done the night direction. thing, have you done the night thing? Yeah. Well, I mean, we used to do it a lot um, just as a guide, right? I mean, yeah. get bored, you know, months after months. You're like, hey, let's go do a night float or whatever. Um, it was just something you did on a good, you know, in a, in the Western communities of people, you know, you got a boat and you got a, you know, Around here, you may think about, hey, let's go to a movie on a Friday night. You know, there it's like, oh, this river's in our town. Hey, let's do a night float, you know? Yeah. Um, it's more of a just part of part of it, you know, part of what you do. That's kind of what I've found. There's a group of guides that we've gotten in close with out there at the White. Um, shout out to Ozark Fly Company. Um I've gone twice now to do two nights and the first night it's like we take it real serious and the second night it just becomes a bro float like all of the guides realize that we're there for nights and they're like man I want to come and we just kind of get together and hang out and it's cool because I feel like everybody always wants to know where the guides would fish if they were fishing everybody wants to know how those dudes would do it if they were doing it for themselves And I feel like doing it at night, that's the experience we get because everybody's just so excited that that's what we're there for. Right. And even walking around, we stay at the White River Trout Club. Um, Clay's the guy, uh, the main guy there, and and they do such a good job, Misty and Kyle and everybody there on site. Go check out the White River Trout Club if you're looking for a cool place to stay. But, you know, we're walking around um, early mornings, evenings before we go out and you're talking with everybody that is also staying you know in this motel and they all ask you know how'd you do today and we're like man we uh we we, we slept all day (laughs) we're we're We're, getting ready to go out here in a few hours and well what do you mean you're gonna fish at night and um don't be telling don't be blowing up night fishing over there you gotta keep your mouth shut here's my deal man okay. uh, you just gotta the, my two favorite things about night fishing number one is the experience of catching a big brown at night and number two is telling people about my experience catching big browns at night because it is just such a different thing it feels to me like everything I love about the process and the dealing with failure of bow hunting compared to rifle season right just applied to the fishing world yeah yeah no i mean it's it's, it's a, a lot of experience effort. yeah a lot of effort a lot of energy um to maybe have a shot at one fish on a weekend but right 
But when that one fish is a potentially 30-inch brown, it's all worth it, right? That's pretty cool. Yep. So No, I. it's why, you know, I, I like when I do trout fish. It's why I prefer to swing, you yeah. know? Um, it's why people uh, go sometimes a year or more without touching a steelhead but show up every day to do it. Yeah. You know, there's this there there's this addiction to turning the unturnable, you know, to to catching the uh unknown, you know, the fish that most people have floated past hundreds if not thousands of times and never even had an opportunity to engage with it. Um not to mention under the cover of darkness every fish you hook into feels like a 50 pound fish 100 <laughs> percent. it's like every time you catch something in the ocean yeah you're like oh it's huge yeah <laughs> it's rad don't fish my spots but go go try that experience man that's uh that's one for the record books for sure um and shout out to jd adams and company again for getting me outfitted for this trip um I know you've been on the road a lot, but I've been in there. I mean, I was in there, I think, three times the week before we left, just fine-tuning my gear, making sure I had the right stuff. Yep. Um, You know, Tom is always such a joy to chat with when I'm in there. And, you know, this is really cool. I've been in the market for some sunglasses. You were in there one Saturday. Um, Little things that you don't really realize about the shopping experience. Like, I have literally been in every store in town that would sell me a pair of fishing specific sunglasses jd adams and company is the only place that said why don't you take these outside and try a few pairs on in the actual sunlight you can't do that at big box stores you know it's it's just little things like that take this rod out back and cast it in the alley see if you can shoot it the way you want to see if you like the feel of it let me tug on this a little bit and see if the stopping power is what you expected you know the guys there just know so much i joke with you i joke with tom and dan and it's just funny I like to tell you to sell me on products when I'm in there because yeah, I'm the always amazed at how much you know about the most ridiculous <laughs> pieces of apparel or And I'm like, dog, it's Saturday. <laughs> like, can we not? It's Saturday. Can I just say yes and you go, okay, and then we move on? No. no. I want you to tell me about the coatings and Dude, layers of glass in the Smith me, sunglasses. Yeah, keeping me honest over here. You but know? I learned so much, man. Then, you know, when I'm looking at these, I'm like, well, are these, are these well, the that's glass? Our job. And- you know, all joking aside, that's our job, you know? Like, um, I had that same approach as a guide. Like, my job as a guide is not to convince you that you need a guide. My job as a guide is to make you better every time you fish with me so someday you don't need one. Yeah. And then it's your choice. Do you want to because you and I built a relationship together and you just like hanging and I'm a a resource for you and so you keep doing it? Or you say, hey, man, I'm going to take this knowledge and I'm going to start passing it on to other people and then you start taking your friends. Like, that's the goal, right? Yeah. So, you know, for the brands that we carry in our store – our job is to, you know, gospelize why they're good so that you can go share that information, not just when someone asks, like, oh, how do you like those? And say, oh, yeah, they look good. You know, you can say, man, they're great. Like, you know, because of the tech light glass, like I can wear them all day without getting any headaches. I, you know, my face, my eyes don't get tired. 
the optical clarity is unbelievable, you know, wh- whatever it is for you, but at least now you have, you know, the attributes that make that product different than other products on the marketplace. And you can figure out which ones you like and which ones help you become a better angler. Um, and we take that into consideration with everything that we put in that store. So shout out J.D. Adams and Company, located on the northwest corner of 122nd North May Avenue here in Oklahoma City. Uh, if you're an angler, if you're angling curious, get over there and check them out. Those guys will take really, really good care of you. I uh, can't recommend them enough. we got to squeeze in a break. Uh, you're listening to the Outdoor Hour on 107.7 The Franchise. Now back to the outdoor hour with your host Taylor Maples and Josh Stratton on 1077 the franchise. Welcome back inside the outdoor hour. Final segment this week. Taylor Maples, Joshua Wildman, Stratton. Oh hi, thanks for checking in. I'm still a piece of garbage. <laughs> in the house. Man, I love that so much. And goldfish. It's a staple. We have to give the people what they want, Josh. Um, anytime anybody says anything about me to the or anything about this show to me, it is always about the sound effects. So I have to keep it going. I love that. We're all we're all we're here for it, dude. I'll say this. Um, I say at the end of every show that if you have a business and you're interested in advertising inside this show or on the franchise or any other Tyler Media property that you can email me, and I'll give you that email right now since we're talking about it. It's taylor.m at tylermedia.com, T-A-Y-L-O-R dot M at tylermedia.com. Man, I've had a handful of people reach out in the last couple of weeks to try to get their business into the outdoor hour, and I just appreciate that so much. It's cool to know that people are listening. It's cool to know that people um, are interested in supporting this kind of content locally, and it's also really cool to know that uh, you see this as a means to help grow your business. So to me, that means we're doing a good job, um, and I know that the advertisers we do have are really uh, happy. I've had a number of calls in the last couple of weeks as well from uh, people saying they're walking into their stores mentioning the outdoor hour, and that's super cool. Um, another shout out to Oaky Hides. They are up for another uh, year with us here. Um, we talk about them in every episode, and we do it because we absolutely love these products. Um, check out okihides.com or okihides on social media at okihides. Um, these are the best built deer blinds that you're ever going to find. They've got a ground round. They've got the platform blinds, 8 foot, 12 foot, custom size footprints, marine grade carpeting. You've seen the cheap deer blinds on the market that are like porta potties on stilts. Um, these could not be further in the opposite direction from that. These things are so overbuilt. They're like ratcheted down into the earth. Um, if you buy an Oki hide, you're creating a legacy that your grandkids can hunt out of because they are going to last that long. It's just such a cool thing. Lots of different window configurations. Um, it takes so much of the difficulty away from deer hunting in Oklahoma because it takes the elements out. It allows you to be concealed better. Um, check out Oki Hides. They're legit. So there you go. Super legit. Super legit. You know, you missed an episode a couple of weeks ago, Josh, where Brad Clay was in. Um, and he hunts out of Oki Hides a lot. 
Um, I actually got a text after the show from uh, Roy at Oki Highs. It said, thanks, fellas, because unbeknownst to us, we took like a 10-minute tangent just talking about how much we love those hides. So, And that is not an exaggeration. It was literally like 10 minutes. Josh. It was literally a 10-minute tangent just about the Oki Hides. I believe it. They're amazing. Yep. Palace in the sky, bro. Palace in the sky. There it is. It's good to see you, man. Good to see your face. You've been busy. I've been yeah. busy. Uh, what's coming up for you? The turkeys. The turkeys. Yeah. Turkey, turkey, turkey. That reminds me. We need to get our heads together on some turkey stuff. Yeah. I was hanging with our boy this weekend. Talking Were you? about turkey stuff. Nice. Turkey yeah, but, season, yeah. Yeah. And then I'm going to go to Idaho and do some turkey stuff. Which That's I'm right. really stoked about. May I may go there twice actually. Some content creation in the mix with that. I mean, probably. I seem to not go very far without uh film crew. Yeah. <laughs> particularly when my film crew is in Boise. <laughs> Makes they, it easy. They also like to go on shenanigans. Is Boise where you would fly into for this anyways? Yeah. So that makes it yeah, real yeah, easy. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And then uh, you know, just got a new Smalley bass rod. Um, yeah, the new Helios, and it's just called Helios. Yeah, yeah. Right? There's no more number. It's just because before they were like H two, H three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is finally. I made the joke before. It's like Star Wars. You need to know which order to purchase and throw the rods in. Yeah, it came in today. So what is it? Spooked. I got the eight and a half foot seven weight. You know me, and I gotta have a shorter stick. You know, yeah. I, don't, I don't like the nine footers. It's familiar. Um, and so, yeah, they came out with it in a. <laughs> they came out with it in a seven weight, uh, and it looks unreal. Have so, you thrown it yet? I have not. Okay. No. no. I'll be excited. Yeah, so I'm gonna get that thing wet. Have fun with that. Um, and then what else? I, you know, who knows? Who knows? I got some Alaska stuff I got to do, which I'm stoked about. Um, pretty excited about that. You know, we talked about the fly line. Uh, it was a scientific angler's textured line that you put on. Yeah, how'd for you me. like that? It was different to get used to. Um, stripping the way I was, it was noisier than I expected. Yeah. Um, but it shoots really, really well. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I'm a believer in it. Did you notice the difference in float? Yeah. So, again, I was fishing at night, so it's a little harder to see. There was a pretty bright moon. You can actually see um, on the water. The air pockets. The air pockets. Yeah. that are. It's almost like you get bubbles yeah. that form around it when it's laying out there. Um, so I'm a believer in that textured line, man. Thanks for that recommendation. Yeah, it's different, but uh, it's solid. I can see how the early editions of it might have torn your hands up. Yeah, and that was a long time ago, mm -hmm. but yeah. Because even this, like, if you're not used to a textured line, it, you know, like bass thumb, it's not that bad. But I could tell that, like, man, if I was sitting here just stripping for days on this thing, you could get a little scuffed up there. Um it's cool, man. I'm a believer in it. I love it. I love it. Another one converted. Yeah, there you go. Um, let's see. Turkeys is coming up. That's kind of the next season. Um, I'm excited for turkeys. We've got some properties we're going to get out and try to chase them on. 
We need to get Kurt Kiglinski back in here. It's a second mention of his name in this episode. Um, I know they're doing some research around the area on the turkeys. We should do that. Yeah. We just let's let's plan on that. Let's get Kurt back in. Kurt, um, I know you're listening. We're coming for you. <laughs> get him. I think that'll be his third time on. He'll be back in that that top tier of guests with Brad Clay. It's the goal. That is. So Kurt, we're coming for you, man. We'll, we'll have to work here. on getting that belt. Yes. We we need we need that. There's some things we need, but the belt is uh towards the top of the list for sure. I so. love it. Well, thanks for joining us this week inside the Outdoor Hour. Josh, thanks for your recap of the Expo. Man, that's something um, I need to make a point to get out to. Next year, let's all go as the Outdoor Hour. He said it. Oh, uh, another thing in March, doing that uh, podcast summit down in Texas. That's right. So I'm stoked on that. You are. Yeah. Yeah. We can talk more about that next week. Next week. Next week. Next Tune in. Week. That's called a tease. Ooh. <laughs> Next week. <laughs> Next week, folks. <laughs> Let's get out of here, man. You can uh, follow the Outdoor Hour for some bes- behind the scenes and additional content on social media at Outdoor underscore Hour on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can find me at T underscore Maples online. Josh is on Instagram at against underscore current. Um, shout out to the Mule Deer Foundation as well for the content you guys created this week. What are uh, some of those social handles for MDF if people want to follow that? Do you know those off the top of your head? Yeah. Uh, IG is Mule underscore underscore deer underscore foundation. There you go. Um, there was some cool stuff there for sure. So, and all of our stuffs in the link tree on there. So that's yeah, you know, really the the best way to track us and get involved. Cool. This has been the Outdoor Hour on 107.7 The Franchise. Up next, Ryan Chapman and Alex Storacco and the Road to OKC Softball Show. We'll see you next time. Until then, go boldly. We'll see you outdoors.